So how do you create your dream business that creates generational wealth for you and your family and fulfills your true calling and purpose in life and do what you truly love and make the world a better place without feeling burnt out or sacrificing that special time with your family and friends? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. Hi, I'm Elena Dacus and I'm a founder and CEO of BossyHills.com. And every week I will bring you insights to answer that question. Hello, today I have a very special episode for you. And um, this is my interview with Kimberly Whale. And we're talking about the power of storytelling and how can you become a better storyteller to influence people better for you to use that as part of your sales process and move the hearts and mind, uh, minds of your potential clients, your family, friends. And it's one of those super critical skills that actually in the world today that we all need to be a lot more successful. So who is Kimberly? Kimberly is sensational. She is a founder of Storytelling School and she is an NCA Woman of the Year, MBA educated, author of two books on technology, founder of an award-winning software company, winner of both the Association for Women in Communications Women of Achievement Award and the Spirit of an Entrepreneurship Award for Professional Services. Wow. On top of that, she has trained over 500 TEDx speakers, improved comedy performer and trainer, and an international speaker. And of course, she's a creator of Storytelling School, where she specializes in really focusing, focuses on this high stakes, short form storytelling to help thought leaders to expand their influence. Wow. She is really incredible. So this is a really special interview. We go in all sorts of places, but really with one focus. How can you become a better storyteller? How can you grab people's attentions when you are speaking? How can you become a better speaker? And ultimately, how can you create more impact in the world with your business by improving your sales process? So I hope you enjoy it. Okay. Hi, Kimberly. Such a pleasure to have you here on the podcast. Uh, I think this is going to be a really fascinating conversation. We're going to talk about storytelling and why storytelling really is important for business owners and really entrepreneurs and really thinking about storytelling as a way of delivering your message, as a way of connecting to the souls and hearts of your clients. And really, how can people can think about using storytelling in their sales process to really support their business growth? So we're gonna, it's going to be a super exciting conversation, but maybe perhaps before we start, Kimberly, if you can perhaps introduce yourself, your business, and a little bit about you. Sure thing. Well, thank you so much for inviting me today. It's a pleasure and an honor to be with you. And I am building a movement of master storytellers. And I think starting right there, that's what I am doing in the world. That's what I feel like I am meant to do. And what's amazing is that each of us have inside us this storytelling superpower. So a lot of people think, oh, well, you're born a great storyteller or, you know, not everyone can tell a story. Mm. I say every single person can tell a story. If you think back to your childhood, when we were kids, we grew up 
making up stories. They didn't exist. We played games with our friends. We, we might've made up um, skits and crazy things. I did that with my best friend. Uh, we might've made up stories by ourselves in our room with our stuffed up animals, you know? <laughs> so storytelling is kind of part of the human experience. And I think that it's, it's very empowering to realize that we have it within us. And it's just a matter of like anything else, testing it, trying it, experimenting with it. The more you do it, the more comfortable you'll get. And so as a storyteller myself and a trainer of people all over the world, um, I see the light bulbs go off and I see, you know, the opportunities where a business might have never told a story before and then tell a story and everything changes. In fact, I was just giving a keynote um, on Saturday and I spoke to a, it was an event with a bunch of people that had flown from all over the U.S. to this particular event. And the owner of the company brought me in to teach them how to tell stories. And this was not an industry where you would normally think, oh, they're storytellers. This was an industry where it's a restoration industry. So when there's a fire or flood, people come in and, and help you, you know, get your home back and fix your home. And so... <clears throat> This is not what comes to mind when you think, oh, storytelling, boom, it's a restoration, restoration companies tell stories. But what happened is the owner of the company told one story in one email, and that email ended up earning him $700,000 of revenue. One story, one email, one day, $700,000 of revenue that he has direct tie to that particular story. And so that's why he knows, and he is a believer of the power of story. So he brought me in uh, to, to teach his people that. And so that's what I do. I empower people to find their story, have confidence in their story, structure their story, share their story for sales, for influence, for um, causing change in our world, because that's important to me. Yeah, it's so beautiful. So why, what is it that the story does in our mind that gets us to take an action? Like, what, what is that power of the story? Oh, great, great question. So when we talk about facts and figures, like I'm talking to you right now, I'm talking to you about facts and figures, that lights up two regions of our brain. When I tell a story, And I tell you about a guy that, you know, who has this restoration company who told one story in one email that can light up seven regions of your brain, which allows you and me and any human to feel the story, see the story. Um, It lights up all of the senses. So sometimes we can even smell and taste a story depending on how well told that story was. And so to your question, what storytelling does is it allows us to feel something, anything, a well-told story. And so if you think about um, your favorite movie, what's your favorite movie of all time? What would you say that is? Oh, I don't know. Good question. Yeah. I don't know. Or a movie that comes to mind. Yeah, Maybe holiday. Like uh, now it's Christmas. I'm thinking of holiday or love. Actually, this is just the two movies that came immediately to my mind. Great. And why? Why do you think they came immediately to your mind? Those two movies out of hundreds of movies probably you've seen in your life. Why? What do you remember about them? Yeah, I just remember the cozy, warm feeling of Yes. Yes. The feeling. See, that's what it is. You felt something. And so you remember. And as storytellers, that's what we want to do for our audience. It is a gift in so many ways to allow our audience to feel something. 
And maybe that feeling is surprise. Maybe that feeling is urgency to take action, right? Maybe that feeling is um, letting them in on an insight that they never knew before. And that's like with your podcast and your audience here, you are giving them a gift of knowledge, right? Every time that you do your episode of your podcast, you're giving them a little tidbit of you, a little insight so that they can collapse time and be even more successful than they already are. And storytelling can take that and explode it exponentially. So when you tell a story, not only are they going to remember what you said, what you trained them on, what you taught them, but it also helps them remember that because they felt something. Mm, Powerful. So powerful. So what is the recipe? Because we all heard, you know, we all heard the stories. They were like, well, and they were so boring. And you were just like, oh, this is, where is this going to end? But then we also heard stories that just compelled us and gripped us to our seats. And we were listening to every word. So what is that recipe for that gripping, exciting story? Oh my gosh. So I hope this podcast is 10 hours because <laughs> we could talk about recipes for that long. So I'll, t- I'll give you a couple, a couple of um, areas that are critical to focus on. One is start with a hook. The more that you can hook your audience in, because let's face it, gl- on a global basis, attention span is tiny and you have seconds to dazzle your audience. And so depending on where and how you're telling a story, especially if you're telling a story for video, you're telling a story for a live audience, sometimes a live audience is a captive audience. So you've got them in front of you and they're probably not going to walk out. So (laughs) there's that, but you, you want to earn their attention and you can earn their attention through starting with a hook, which is hopefully starting with a story of some kind. And it doesn't have to be a grandiose story. It can be a little snippet of a story um, or, or a little a little piece of a story. You can also, you know, intrigue them with the story and finish the story kind of later on in what you're in what you're telling them. But it also goes to the written form of story. Um, so I train people on kind of I look at story from three different ways. It's um, design, develop, and deliver. So so there's designing it and sort of the strategy of it is why am I telling a story? What story am I going to choose to developing it to how am I going to lay it out and how am I going to bring it to life to deliver, which is performing it? What am I doing with my body if if it's to a live audience or to video or if it's in an email? Again, I still it's it's taking someone through those three steps is key to think of all of those those pieces. But when you are telling a story in an email, you have even less time to capture their attention. And so uh, my specialty is short form stories. So we want to get them fast. So a five sentence story, if you can, you know, or certainly a very short paragraph of a story in an email um, to get their attention and get them to do what you want them to do next. So let's talk about structure. Um, There are tons of structures out there. There are, um, many, many, many successful structures that you can look up, you can Google, you can, you you can look for what I think is important as a storyteller and especially using story for business is to ask yourself, how can I delight my audience? How can I surprise my audience? How can I be unforgettable with my audience? 
Um, I was training, I, I'm an improv performer and I also teach improv. I have an improv class I teach every week and um, I was training in LA and I was actually taking a class myself and uh, the instructor uh, was working with us and there were three people up and we were, we were doing a scene. And for some reason in the scene, I was drinking tea and this, the instructor, so I'm, I'm drinking my tea and the instructor says, stop, Kimberly, make it more interesting. And I'm like, okay. So I, I go to drink my tea and I spill it on myself. Okay. That's a little more interesting. She's like, stop, make it more interesting. What do I do that? That's more interesting than just drinking it. So I start drinking my tea. I spill it on myself and I throw the rest on my scene partner. She's like, okay, now you've got it. So, so what she was trying to pull out of me is there's always another level or layer where we can make something more interesting. And so as storytellers, what I always love to do with my clients is once you have your story draft and you think it's final, ask yourself, how can I make this more interesting? Can I add maybe um, a cliffhanger at the end? Can I maybe heighten um, the struggle piece always, if we're telling true stories, they always want to be true. So I want to make, make sure we make that distinction in a true story, we always want to st- stick to the truth no matter what. And when I say heighten, it might mean spending more time in that conflict area, struggle conflict area of, you know, a lot of people love to see those stories of transformation. And we can do that by um, sh- spending time in that conflict so that the audience can say, oh, that's how they got to the other side of that. I can too. Yes, yes. And I guess one way, what would be a way, because when people think about stories, or when you, especially when you ask them to think, what is your story, their mind goes in so many places, and they become really overwhelmed. And I think that's first thing. And then the second thing, well, they think, well, how is that relevant to the product that I'm selling? So do you have any advice in terms of picking the relevant parts, how they should be thinking? Is it the scene from their life? Like how can they really, what strategy they can use to connect their product and connect maybe how can they kind of, out of everything that's happened in their life and their experience, pick something that's really key. Sure. Um, So a couple of things come to mind here. First of all, as far as uh, picking a true story, you know, a personal story that happened in your life, what you're looking for is what's called an inciting incident. So in, an inciting incident is a moment in time in your life where everything changed. It might be a moment where you learned something. It might be a moment where you had an aha moment. It might be a moment where Uh, based on a decision you made, everything changed after that decision. It might be a moment where something happened to you, like an accident. It might be a moment where you had to say yes or say no. And based on your answer, it changed the trajectory of your life. Um, It might be something that is not, again, so grandiose, as I mentioned earlier, it's something that's more subtle, like um, it's it's a memory that you have. So your grandmother read you a poem. Um, There's a moment in time where she read you this poem and you never forgot that poem. So there was a learning, a lesson, something clicked for you in that moment in time. So what I love to encourage people to do is try not to 
think of your bio, right? Your bio belongs on your website. That's not a story. Um, your bio is, you know, this happened. I, I got this award and I did this and I got, I graduated here and I did this. That's, that doesn't belong in a story. Instead, think about that moment where you were getting kicked out of school maybe, or think about that moment where you were applying to colleges to go to, or think about that moment of your first kiss. You know, there's moments in our life that change everything for us. And that is what's known as an inciting incident. And when you're looking for your personal story, that those moments, you can have multiple moments uh, in your life, but that's what you want to look for. And um, I, I like to call personal stories the, your spotlight stories because you're kind of shining a spotlight. Think of it in a moment in time in your life, not 200 you know, years, obviously we're not 200 years old, but not 20 years of your life or 50 years of your life, but one moment, something happened in that one moment. And that's, that's, I think where a lot of storytellers get it wrong. And that's where like you go to those dinners with your family members and it's like, Oh, here comes, you know, uncle Harry's going to tell the stories again. Right. And <laughs> you're laughing, right? You got you, we all have people in our life that just go on and on and on and on. And we don't, we don't need to do that. If, if uncle Harry's out there just picked a moment in time and stopped with the story, it would be a much better world. Yeah, so. no, that's so true. That's so true. So I love that spotlight on the moment in time, isn't it? And mm. I also heard someone mention this to me, and it was really kind of aha moment when they said, well, if you think about all the little story, story is like a little, you can call it maybe a trough. You're there, then something really bad happened or tragic or really kind of bad, and then you come out of it. So it's maybe thinking, looking back in your life and thinking about those points of trough, points of crisis, points of real low moments, because this is going to be exciting. Because if you think, if you know, those days where you just feel okay, you know, that's not exciting. It's the moments when it was, everything was crashing down. And this is where it becomes more exciting, isn't it? Absolutely. I love to say that things will either go well, or you'll have a story to tell when you get on the other side of it, right? So every time in your life from now on, if things aren't going well, t- tell yourself, oh, this is going to turn into a story someday or can turn into a story someday um, because that's what our audiences love. And so kind of getting to the second question that you had, our audiences love seeing that transformation. They love seeing that conflict because they want to know, Oh, if she got over that conflict or he got over that conflict, I can too, because you're giving them that insight. Even so, even and especially when things go wrong, that's what the audiences identify with. So think about um, let's let's think about you know going back to movies that that we love. Um, Pixar comes to mind for me. I'm a huge Pixar fan, and and Pixar uh, their films are among the greatest storytelling ever. And if you think about any Pixar film and you imagine the opening of that film, you're instantly in a world. You're in a moment in time in that world. And you're getting introduced to the characters really fast. There's this, there's this, there's this, there's this. So you're getting to know what's normal. What is that world? And then something happens. In every single Pixar film, something happens relatively soon. That's not great because that sets the story in motion. So, so that's, so we draw that parallel to our own lives. 
we can look for those moments in time where, okay, this is normal. This is what's happening. And then there's that inciting incident. And, and now we have, now we've launched into a story. And so connecting though, that story to business, that's where skill comes into play. And that's where the more that you do this and the more that you practice and play with it, the easier and kind of, um, the easier it will become and also the more fun it will become. So if we kind of rewind back in our conversation, you asked me a question, um, which in my mind triggered a story about me doing improv and, and that one scene where I'm the instructor asked me to make it more interesting. I didn't plan to say that. It just, it was like, Oh, that story would illustrate my point better than me saying, you know what? Make it more interesting. Okay. And move on in our conversation. Right. So you wouldn't remember it that way, but by me attaching a story to that teaching point that I wanted to share with you and your audience, of course, that helped you understand what make it more interesting means. You can apply that and, and overlay that to, to our stories. So for businesses out there, you know, I get this question all the time is, ah, oh, how do I, how do I tell stories for business? Does story even belong in business? You know, really stories are for kids and bedtime. No <laughs> stories again, go back to, they evoke emotion. And when we evoke emotion, our audience, our potential client is more likely to act in some way, shape or form. And story is the fastest way to build trust between two humans. There is no other way to build trust between two humans. So if I share a story about something crazy that happened to me, like getting called out in improv, you know a few things about me just from that story alone. You, you might know that, okay, she does improv. She's a risk taker or she's, she's brave because she puts herself out there like that. Or she loves learning because she's taking classes, even though she has her own class. Or you might think that, um, you know, I travel to LA. I don't live in LA, but I, I travel to LA to take a class. So I'm willing to do whatever it takes to kind of up my game as, as it relates to skills, you know, so there's a lot of things that you kind of learn and know, uh, just by hearing a story. And so if you think about your audience and, you know, uh, and everyone listening, you think about your own audience and you think of, okay, how can I teach this lesson? that I want to teach them and attach a story to help the lesson go deeper. Yeah, I think it's so powerful. And I think it achieves a few things. As you said this, because an idea, you know, especially in sales, because on this, on my podcast, we talk a lot about sales and how to improve sales. And actually storytelling is so powerful in that because people will only ever buy from someone who they like, who they trust. And actually, this is, as you said, the quickest way to build it through storytelling by you being vulnerable, sharing a piece of your life that immediately connects people to you. And they're like, they maybe have experienced something similar and they feel like, well, I, I know exactly how that feels. So they connect to you on a deeper level, which I think is so powerful. And then indeed, I think if we can. You can use, of course, in sales because you move people. You maybe share this share this moment, insightful moment, almost like epiphany moment for you, and they get to experience that together with you. Um, but also, I think 
it's also this shift in beliefs, right? Because there's certain people, people have certain number of beliefs and in order for you, for for them, maybe to achieve a different result in their life, to reach, achieve a different transformation, they have to change certain beliefs they currently have. And I feel like actually storytelling can be a really powerful tool as a belief changing mechanism because you change people's perspective and view of the world through storytelling. If you were to tell them, well, you know, you should just be braver. Mm, well, you know, it, it's not going to move them, right? But if you tell a story of your courageous when it was full of fear and you kind of overcame that, it becomes a really different insight, isn't it? It It's spot on, spot on. And I, it makes me think of this time. Um, I, I'm also a martial artist and I was at a, a martial arts. Um, it was kind of a training event for really high level martial artists. So people from all over the world um, came and these are like kind of, you know, secret service level type of training, like really, really high level. And they brought me in to work with them on communication. So they're really good at their skills, but they, you know, they're sometimes they're undercover and different things. So they needed to work on some communication skills. And so I was brought in for that reason, but the person who was running the event starts off and he reaches, he says, everybody stand up, gather around. Um, and there were about, I think I want to say about 30 people in the room and he pulls out of his bag, a rat trap. So this is a big rat trap, not a mouse trap, a rat trap. And he holds it out in his hands and he says, anybody, anybody. And so he's got this rat trap in his hand and he, it's just in the palm of his hand. And so everybody kind of looks around and then a person steps up and takes his finger and, and, and triggers the rat trap, but does not get his finger cut off. And <laughs> I was like, wow. And then the next person goes up, he, he rearms it. He's like, anyone else triggers it? Doesn't, you know, it goes off. And, and, and so it goes off. And so a person after person after person. So what they were practicing is the, their speed of their hands for, you know, martial arts techniques, but the speed of the hands to trigger the rat trap, but not to get, get your fingers cut. So everybody went except for me. And then everyone turned and faced me. And I'm thinking, I am not here to trigger rat traps. This is not what I was brought in to do. Yet peer pressure, everybody's looking at me. So I'm thinking, okay, well, no one is bleeding yet, right, in this group. And I am a martial artist. And so, okay, I am, what's the worst that can happen? You know, I'm thinking in my mind, okay, well, my husband, you know, is on my phone. If I pass out, like they can call him. You know, I'm thinking all these objects. <laughs> and so I, I like, I try to settle myself and breathe. And I, I take my fingers and I go as fast as I can to trigger the rat trap and I make it out in time and it hits my fingers and my fingers turn black and, <laughs> and they swelled up and, you know, cause I, I never done this before. And, but they were, you know, of course, cheers. And everyone was so proud that I did it. So, so I did not have to go to the hospital, which is great. Um, I, it took quite a while for that to heal yet. I learned such a valuable lesson in that moment. It's, it's the idea of taking calculated risks. So we can take a risk and just jump off a bridge. Great. We could do that, but we can also take a calculated risk. We can look at, okay, there's the bridge. What's the wind doing? Um, what's down below? Do I have backup? <laughs> you know? And so I know, knew that since no one had 
you know, a couple of people got nicked, but no one had like hospital level. I mean, rat traps, by the way, they hurt just for the audience, just so everybody knows. They, they hurt. Okay. Don't put your fingers well, in the rat trap. <laughs> let's just get that out right now. I do not recommend you try that at home. Um, uh, um, unless, yeah, anyway, <laughs> but, but the calculated risk is I, I, I had a calculation that probably death would not occur. And so it was worth it to go ahead and take that risk and try something. I'd never done it before. And now I can say, I put my hand in a rat trap and I live to tell about it. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. It's brilliant. But yeah, I guess one thing I was, as you were saying, I was thinking, what would be helpful for people maybe when they haven't really practiced enough of telling stories? Where can they start? Is it the case of maybe sitting down and writing a little inventory of moments that they might use when the opportunity comes in their social media or in their stories or in their podcasts? Like, how can they maybe build that up? Because I appreciate that sometimes for people listening, thinking, well, actually, coming up for something on the spot might not be the right thing. So is there something they can get ahead of the game and prepare? Yes. So a couple things come to mind here. One is have a story journal. So I have one journal that I keep all my stories in because here's what happens. Once you enter this world of story, it's like you've unlocked Pandora's box in a beautiful way. So stories will start to come to you and they'll come to you at really weird times and awkward times. So let's say you're driving and you're like, oh, that story from fourth grade. Well, you can't necessarily write it down, but maybe when you're, when you stop, you can take a note of it. And then when you get home, put it in your story journal. Sometimes you're taking a shower and you hear, you think of a story when you get out, get it in your story journal that way. You have one place where everything lives. And every time you need a story for something, you can flip through your journal. Everything is right there. And you go, ah, that one. Um, so that's that's one thing I would say, no matter what, um, get a story journal, keep all your stories in one place. I have a client that I worked with um, who's a, a law enforcement here in the US. And he said that if his house was on fire, in addition to his family, he made that distinction, um, he would get his story journal out of his safe. Like that, that would be besides his family, he would get that because this is years of, you know, stories and collecting stories. And if, if the house burnt up, they would all be sort of gone. And to recreate that is really hard. So, so get a story journal and get a safe to put it in (laughs) so you can protect it. No, I'm just kidding. But that, but that's, um, that's important. And I would say that, um, It's, I have a, um, on storytelling school, um, on, um, on Instagram, I'm, I'm on Instagram, storytelling school. Uh, I did a post recently where I, I gave you story prompts. So if you look for that post and I gave a whole bunch of it, a whole bunch of story prompts that you could save or, or copy or whatever you would like to do. Uh, but what I found for a lot of people is it helps, you need something to get started. So if you have that white paper, it might be like, I don't know. I don't know. you right. But if you have a prompt that can help. So look for that post um, on Instagram. And then also just off the top of my mind, I'll, I'll say a couple right now. Um, Maybe tell a story about a time where something surprised you. Mm. Tell a story about a time where you beat the odds. Tell a story about a time where you shocked someone. 
tell a story about a time where you overcame an internal obstacle. Um, tell us a time where um, you're, you made a huge mistake in business, yet you learned an incredibly valuable lesson. Um, so those are a couple that I just kind of picked out of the air that might be helpful for people. And, and so what you want to ask yourself when you're choosing a story, sometimes people choose story first, lesson second. Sometimes other people choose lesson first, story second. So I would, again, take a calculated risk, experiment with these concepts and, and see what you like better. I use both depending on what I, what I want to do. Um, in this interview today, um, you're asking me questions. So I'm just reacting to these questions. And then in my mind, you know, it's lesson first, you ask me a question, I want to answer that, but then it's story second. Ooh, what story could I tell to illustrate that lesson even, even deeper? And so when in business, when you are, let's say having a conversation with a prospective client and you've done a little background on this client and you know that they're a sports enthusiast, you might tell a story about where something went terribly wrong with you as an athlete. They'll identify with that. They'll connect with that. They'll, you know, you want to, you want to make the story as relevant to your audience as possible. So if you're speaking to a a prospective client, try to speak in ways and connect the dots in ways where they would find value in it. Um, There are exceptions to that rule. So I'll just say that too. Um, if you have a go-to story, let's say about a car accident, for example, that changed your life, the person you're talking to may not have experienced a car accident. So you might say, well, that's not relevant. So I shouldn't share it, but it's, it's not that it's what meaning did that, what, what is the meaning? What is the lesson you want to draw out of that story? Is it your resilience? Is it how you never take no for an answer because your comeback was extraordinary, you know, so, so you can look at, um, you can look at those from both ways. And I find that in business again and again and again, allow your audience to feel something. So maybe you say, um, I'm meeting with a new client. I want to, you know, this is really high stakes, but I want to make them feel comfortable. So I'm going to tell a funny story, um, something hilarious that happened. And usually if the self-deprecating humor is, is the best choice, right? So you want (laughs) to, you want to tell stories, true stories about yourself, not necessarily about someone else because that's their story to tell. So stick to your own stories. You have, you have a life of stories, you have plenty of material and um, allow that story to speak to it for itself. Is that helpful? That's so helpful. And one thing is you were saying that really made me think is that role of conflict in storytelling. I remember I was reading somewhere. It was a really fascinating book. And they were, they were talking about what makes a really good screenplay as the basis for a really good storytelling. And one of the things was always that you need to have a conflict in a story for it to be exciting. Yes. I agree. And, I, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so, so yeah, I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm just thinking, how can people 
because we can see it in movies, right? We can see it like in really action movies. Something happens, there's a disaster, there's a world collapse. But actually in our lives, how can people really think about the conflict in their lives? I think when you talk about maybe internal conflicts, maybe internal fears, but I guess this, this requirement for like we're talking about the recipe, the ingredients of exciting story and it feels like conflict is one of them, isn't it? It, it is very, very important. Um, every story must have that inside it or else it's not really a story. It's just a list of facts. And so instead, um, ways to find that, that conflict um, are when things do not go right. And we as humans, I don't know if there's a human out there where they've lived a life <laughs> where there wasn't a moment in time where something did not go right. And so, you know, you can um, look back to your childhood, to your college. You can look at time periods in, in your life and say, okay, in my college years, you know, uh, when were times where things did not go right? Um, that those are conflict points that can be turned into stories. You failed a test, you overslept a test, you didn't get into the college you wanted to get into. All of these can be conflict points. So conflict, you know, what if we look at and kind of unpack what that means, conflict means struggle. And um, conflict means something happened. So, you know, your life was going along, and then you have your inciting incident, which means, you know, something changed, something happened, and then you're going to react to that something happening. And that is, you know, your conflict. You're reacting to what's happening. Are you scared? Are you uh, uh, concerned? Are you um, devastated? You know, pick out the, those feelings within your conflict to see, okay, what did the inciting incident make me feel or do or say or think? Love that. And what's the difference between a kind of what makes I know you focus on the short um, form stories. Like what's the difference between short and long? I guess in a long form, is it that you have more space maybe to go into five senses and really delve in into that moment in time? Like what's the difference between the two? And I think especially right now, short form stories are so powerful you know thinking about social media reels you know you only have few seconds to tell that story which makes it even more challenging absolutely and and so short form story to me is taking the long form story formats and the long form narratives and condensing it down to only the most essential elements so um, I have a background in technology and software, and we would call this the minimally viable product. So we would say, what's the minimally viable product we need to ship this software? So what's the, what, how can we boil it down to the minimum pieces, the minimum parts to still be qualify as a story? Um, and then we can always expand it out. So what I train a lot of people that I work with is we'll have different versions of their spotlight story. So they'll have a 10 minute version, maybe a five minute version, a three minute, two minute, one minute, one, you know, five sentence, <clears throat> pardon me, five sentence story um, so that they can pick and choose depending on where they are. So like, for example, if you're giving a, <clears throat> a, a 90 minute keynote um, presentation, you can tell a 10 minute 
um, story. That's fine. You have that time. If you are on social media, like you mentioned, and you're doing a reel, you've got 30 seconds until they change it. But right now you have 30 seconds. If you're telling a story in a carousel, you've got 10 cards to tell that story. If you're telling a story in a caption, you've got sentences and not that many because people don't read, right? So they they want the good stuff fast and they want to move on. And so in my work, and I think, you know, I've been an athlete all my life and I... I, I love dissecting things and just condensing them down to their absolute essence. I was a fast pitch softball pitcher. And so I, I would, you know, kind of calculate just the tiny, tiny details. And that sort of bled into my martial arts for been a martial artist for 30 years. And, um, uh, you know, in, in anything you do to, to look at what is the minimally viable m- movement, let's say I'm in a knife fight. What is the minimum movement I can do to save my life or save someone else's life and, you know, uh, and protect the situation, right? So, so I don't want to do all the fancy martial arts moves if someone has a knife. I'm, I need to disarm and, and protect, you know, a person or myself. And um, it's just like that in, sto- in short form storytelling where we want to condense down to only the most essential elements. And then we can always expand it out. Um, so that we, you talked about conflict, you know, several times and conflict is part of it. You got to hook them with a really good, strong opening. And then you definitely want to include that conflict. And then at the end of your story too, you want to conclude the story and maybe you conclude it with the lesson that you learned, or maybe you conclude it with a call to action that you want them to take. So you can, you, you want to kind of give them a brief, um, um, experience in this world. And you can still hit the senses, um, very short amount of time and leave them wanting more. Yeah. I love that. And I think how it's relevant for people listening is they can think about that, say their story of their personal transformation or transformation of their clients, which becomes kind of the foundation of their sales pitch. And then they can really either make a small story. And then if, you know, if they're talking on stories or if they meet someone in an elevator and they only have two seconds to explain what they do and how they do it. But then of course they can expand that in a social media post, the same thing, and then maybe expand it further when they're doing a real, webinar or something they have more time but it's really the same thing goes along the way so really doing that work preparing for that is super powerful because when they're then put on the spot they're meeting someone really important client that can be a real game changer for their business and they only have three seconds to tell him and impress him or her they can do that in that uh, in that moment which i think is so so key and so powerful and i think but everyone who's listening your social media account by the way is amazing so everyone stop what you're doing make sure you follow kimberly and storytelling school it's so incredible i i actually have notifications on your posts and you really know, that is, oh my gosh i do i do i think what an honor post- so powerful you just always deliver so much value and it really gets you thinking so and your of course your podcast is absolutely amazing so everyone listening just stop everything you're doing subscribe (laughs) and uh, you have an amazing masterclass coming up soon right which um yeah tell us a little bit more about that I do. You know, um, for many years, the only way that people could work with me would be one-on-one. And then I did a live event once a year. 
And that was kind of it. That was, that was, if you want to work with me, that's, that's how it's going to go. And I, I, because I do work with people all over the world, my audience is very, very international. Um, people wanted access to me, you know, even more. So I, I'm doing, um, a masterclass next week. So depending on when this podcast drops, but it's it, the masterclasses are coming up in December. Cause I want to finish the year strong and the masterclasses are December 14th and 15th. 14th. Perfect. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, um, and yeah. And w- what your audience will appreciate too is this, uh, this masterclass is skyrocket your success with storytelling. So we're going to get into, this is for business people. And this is very geared towards, all right, how can I use story as my competitive advantage? You know, what Mm. I'm I'm going, I love going behind the scenes. I love kind of ripping the, you know, kind of the, the, the curtain open and saying, all right, here's how it really goes. And so we're going to look at, you know, why stories matter and, and how people can apply this right now. I'm a very action oriented person. So I, and I respect people's time tremendously. So I want to give people every single person who comes to the masterclass, something that they can walk away with and put into practice right now. Yeah, yes. that's amazing. And for people listening, if they wanted and they actually thought, well, actually, yes, this is area I want to improve on. I can see how actually I want to maybe connect to people on that emotional level, but I'm just so t- I want to be better at storytelling. So do you have courses coming up? How else can people really learn this stuff uh, from you? Sure. So the, um, the masterclass that we talked about is storytellingschool.com slash masterclass. It's not on my navigation. It's, it's just because I don't offer this, you know, all the time. It's not evergreen. It's just, it's coming next, you know, in December. And then, um, if people are like, yep, I'm ready. I want to learn story. I have a new class, which I'm just launching in January, um, that I haven't even announced. So this is exciting. It's the first, uh, announcement. You heard it here first. Uh, And this is, this is my methodology to how to tell short form stories. So it's basically an online class that you can take and you get me live for three weeks in January, the first three weeks of January on Zoom with you working on your stories. And there's worksheets where it's step by step of, okay, you know, sentence one of your story is this sentence two of your story is this sentence three. So I walk people through, I, I develop my own structure because what happened is I I was studying so many long form um, storytelling structures, but there was nothing out there to tell a five sentence story. So there was nothing that existed. It's, it was great for movies and books and longer form. So I created this um, myself. And so in this class, I teach it. And so the URL for that, because we all want to stand out with our storytelling, right? So the URL is storytellingschool.com um, slash stand out. So we can stand out with our stories and change the world because the world needs changing. And we'll leave some links in the description for this episode. So definitely make sure you go ahead and register for the masterclass. It's going to be epic. And yeah, this training. I hope you'll come. Yes. I will be there. I will be there. Oh, good. I don't, I don't miss, as I said, I have your notifications. I don't, I don't miss the pieces of content that you publish. 
because I think you, yeah, I think it's just so powerful. It's so important. And I think especially in everything that we do, if we can move people, we can move their souls, we can move their hearts, we can connect to them on a deeper level. I think it's just, that means we can create bigger impact. And for me, that's so powerful. It's so important. And um, yeah, I absolutely love it. So thank you so much for your time, Kimberly. It was incredible. Um, absolutely incredible gave so many amazing practical tips for people to think about and i think what we will end is it's just practice isn't it it's practice 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 it it is and I, I will add on to that um practice please and and let your be very curious and open to where you can use stories you can use them in your sales letters you can use them in your um one-on-one meetings with prospective clients. You can put them on your website. You can put them in social media. You can use them when you are being announced or introduced on a panel or when you speak. Stories can be used everywhere. So I would encourage you to just be curious and playful and just try it. Try try them everywhere. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you. Thank you, Kimberly. It was absolutely a pleasure. Thank you.